Welcome, everyone, to the next edition of our monthly podcast with List CEO, Maurice Jones. Hi, Maurice. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, as always. And Ricardo Flores, we have on the line, our executive director of List San Diego. Um, Ricardo, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And we wanted to invite Ricardo because leaving off with our last podcast uh, with Andre Perry from Brookings Institution, we talked a little bit about leveraging the assets that are in a community, marketing them to show the positive things that are happening within a lot of the communities where we're working, and also the policy environment that can support um, that marketing being effective to bring resources and create opportunities. So we wanted to pick up on that theme, but applied to one of LISC's local markets, in this case, San Diego, and, and that's why uh, we're happy to have Ricardo here. So, Ricardo, let's kick it off. LISC's turning 40. LISC San Diego is celebrating 27 years? That's correct. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about your community. What are the assets in, in San Diego that you all are working with your partners to leverage? So, one of the big assets for our community is really the strength of its diversity and the culture. Um, and in the community that we actually that we work in and that our office is in is called City Heights. Um, you know, over 70 languages are spoken there of different dialects. Um, it's a very multicultural community. It's probably one of the most multicultural communities in the country, if definitely if not in San Diego. And, and one of the things we're trying to do is to leverage that uh, because we know that people are interested in other cultures and interested in going and, and seeing and experiencing new and different things. And so... The goal is to really leverage that from that community uh, to bring people into that community to have experiences that they haven't had, to have Somali food, Sudanese food, Vietnamese food, uh, to, and to experience those cultures. And so we think that's a winning strategy um, in terms of leveraging those communities, leveraging what their history is, uh, but looking to tomorrow uh, to make sure that, that they get the economic development and that they get people uh, coming to, those, to their neighborhoods. And so what kind of policy support are you doing this? And, and Maurice, it would be great if you could jump in here to, to, um, to take it beyond San Diego. But Ricardo, first, you know, is everybody bought into that in San Diego? Um, what, how does the local government, state government, support your ability to uh, market those assets and, and leverage that diversity? Sure. No, I think one of the ways we're looking at leveraging um, the, that community with respect to policy, the City Heights community, is to take what's called a plan, a specific plan, which is a planning document. And that planning document actually gets into real specifics of how they want communities to look and feel. You can decide the lighting, the sconces, the colors, tiles, different things. And really the goal with that is to put that on eight blocks of, a, of the Little Saigon District to preserve the culture of the Vietnamese community through architecture, through lighting, uh, through ensuring that the businesses that are there are Vietnamese, uh, current Vietnamese uh, business owners. And I think that's, for us, the next level, next step. Um, and, and, again, it's just preserving what's already there but enhancing it and bringing it out in the architecture and making sure that uh, the businesses also continue to, to reflect the culture that's already there. And that planning document, the city initiated that process, or that was something that you all brought to them? That's something that we're going to try. We're going to be trying to initiate, uh, working, of course, with the city of San Diego and the, the, the different offices, the mayor and the council member. But that's something that we've thought of doing. Um, there is another community, another low-income community uh, in San Diego that's doing the very same thing. It's in, in our southern part. It's more of a Latino, uh, Mexican-American community that's doing that. So there is precedent. But again, it's how do you, you know, how do you enshrine culture? and uh, in a particular community that's changing. 
Uh, and it may be known as the Little Saigon District right now, but in 100 years from now, what will it look like? And so what our way of looking at it is saying, let's make sure that the buildings, the restaurants, and other things in that area are preserved for the community that's there. Um, and this is the best way we found in, in really thinking about how we can be intentional about uh, what we're doing. So enshrining culture isn't necessarily something that comes to mind when people think of policy. Um, so, you know, Maurice here, maybe speak a little bit about how this fits into LISC's strategy. How do we have conversations with local leaders and make the case for why doing this matters? So I, I think that it's it's um, it's probably a little... Let me let me go at it another way. Yeah. It's more collaborative than that, right? Mm-hmm. It is us uh, very often talking with local government, uh, with local philanthropy, with the corporate sector, with residents, uh, and building a consensus for doing this work, which is what um, Ricardo and team have been doing in San Diego since he came aboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is um, a consensus on actually getting something done in this space, in, in this space in San Diego, in the West Coast in particular, housing is the big issue that multiple sectors are, t- are attempting to achieve. So that's uh, one piece of this. And then it's a matter of finding the solutions that work. We happen, because of our experience across the country, we happen to know what the solutions are that work. And I know Ricardo and his team, because I've been out there with them uh, on several occasions, have been attempting to uh, persuade people, attempting to work with folks, attempting to craft with uh, people on the ground there, uh, solutions that can address these issues. And we're seeing that around the country. And the solutions are uh, often include some combination of a financial mechanism that leads to um, development and rehab and preservation of units, as well as a, um, a policy approach that helps to um, ensure that as development occurs, people and culture are not displaced. Uh, that helps to ensure that as development occurs, that it's done with um, mixed incomes uh, in in mind so that there's access uh, across the board. Uh, there's policy that also addresses what you can do with respect to getting land to work on and uh, those kinds of things. So we're seeing that uh, in San Diego, but we're seeing it also across the country. And it's usually uh, about what um, what Ricardo was talking about, which is how do you put together a coalition across sectors, public and private, to actually get work done both with respect to uh, addressing this market imperfection uh, as well as the sort of public policy that you need behind it. When one thing that came up specifically when we were speaking to Andre in the in the last session um, was the focus on wealth building. So 
I wonder for both of you how when we were thinking in the beginning of um, the cultural preservation strategy, um, district development, how does wealth building fit into that to make sure that these assets are also being translated into financial gains for the communities where we're working? Um, so, Ricardo, I'll, I'll start off, but you can uh, you should definitely jump in on the San Diego um, front. So what we um, tend to do is make sure that you're focusing not just on the housing piece, but that you're focusing on a holistic view of what it takes for people to build wealth. Uh, no question that housing is a part of that. But we're also, at the same time, uh, Ricardo can tell you they're working with the International Rescue Committee on a financial opportunity center that is leading people to a pathway to livable wage jobs, mm-hmm. right? We're also uh, working on financing small businesses and helping people uh, to become entrepreneurs. Um, we're working on a number of issues uh, around safety. So the issue of wealth is one that uh, requires that you work on education and housing and transportation and economic development. And that's, uh, you know, those are the tools that we try to put to work in, in the various places uh, that, we're, um, that we're working in to try to help folks build and sustain wealth. Yeah, in in San Diego, that, that that's a very important piece to it because you know it, it, the cost of living in California is so high that mm-hmm. really you know it is a multi pump approach that you need to take. And so, yes, our FOCs and our BCOs are very very important uh, to that conversation, uh, and we're that's part of our intentional plan is to expand those uh, so that we can serve more folks. Um, but it's also something that my local advisory board was really cognizant of when we started talking about preserving. Uh, this little Saigon district uh, about gentrification and making sure that the businesses that are there are the ones that we're really kind of focusing on. And that's why it's been important to kind of go through this specific plan uh, concept because it, what, it, what, it, what it does is it gets everybody in the community has to be a part of the dialogue uh, because their community, the, the landowners, the property owners, uh, the folks in the community. And so one of the things that we've been saying to people is that we're going to bring our partners, our banking partners, and others to the table uh, because once we know what their community is interested in doing, then we can then fill, help fill that in, and Opportunity Zones can be a part of that. But it's all starting with the idea that there's already good food, there's already good products in these communities. The question is how then do you market it and how then do you translate it to a broader community? Uh, and that's really what the goal is. Uh, we know the food is good. We know the products are good. It's not just marketing and getting it out to a wider audience and letting people know, hey, that this corridor or any LMI community is open for business and that they're providing services that are not necessarily in your own community. And that's what's so special about this idea. Great. And I want to pick up also on a theme Maurice brought up with the homelessness. And we, we've all heard about that's It's really a crisis nationally, but hitting California and San Diego particularly hard. And Ricardo, if you could speak to us a little bit in in the policy realm of um, you all in your support of Proposition 1 and the bond that would would support housing-related development and what that's been like and what that would mean for San Diego. Yeah, so one of the biggest challenges that we face in San Diego when it comes to building is the permanent uh, sources of money. 
um, you know, LISC, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a, a fund uh, to, for a, a cheaper, longer-lasting pre-development money. Uh, and part of the reason is that with a 60-month closing time, part of that is because we do lack an, enough permanent money in San Diego. And so we have to go back to the state quite often and get um, and ask for those low-income housing tax credits. And we may, and a lot of our developers are not successful the first or second time they kind of put in for that. Um, because we don't have any matching money. And so that bond that California is doing is going to be a really great help to San Diego because it is going to put more of that permanent money out on the street. It is absolutely crucial. Uh, and the piece of the puzzle that we don't necessarily have. The challenge, though, is, is that that state money is great, but local municipalities like San Diego are going to have to also put money out out there in order to match that state money. And so there is going to be a conversation in San Diego within the next couple of years to really look at can we do a local measure as well to match the state um, because we know that the, the challenge is so great that we need additional monies out there. So um, these are all really important tools. And, and the other thing, too, we're looking at here in San Diego is is copying uh, Los Angeles a little bit, which we don't like to say, but we're, <laughs> we're looking at it. We won't tell. Um, <clears throat> we won't tell. But we're looking at doing, uh, if you're going to build 100% supportive or 100% uh, affordable housing, we want to make it easier for our developer partners. So we want to make it a ministerial permit as opposed to a discretionary permit, which takes time and involves a lot more partners and actors to get involved. Where in this case, in L.A., they said, hey, if you're going to build multifamily, it's a multifamily area, and you're going to build 100% affordable or 100% supportive, then that's a ministerial permit. You can go get that buy right over the counter. And I think that's something important, too, to, to really look at within our individual communities. And this is one, you know, for Maurice, building off of that, um, because I know there's been a lot of focus in the community development industry on the lobbying for federal policy and resources that support the work. But with this example of something that's happening in California that potentially could work in other markets, what's the organizing mechanism for community development to start being coordinated in how we pursue these things in different states and local municipalities? Mm, you... Um you pretty much have to figure out how to either do that state by state or you also have an opportunity to uh, break the country down into regions. And uh, regions are often uh, wrestling with the same issues. So the West Coast um, is definitely wrestling with the housing and the homelessness issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, to the point that you all are making, a big partner in this has to be state and local government. And so I think all of us in the community development uh, arena have to turn more focus to uh, state and local, uh, not um, uh, not ignoring federal, but we need more of a balance in the work that we're doing in approaching state and local government and getting their tools to go to work uh, in these places where we're uh, where we're working uh, we need as much focus there as we've put on the federal government and uh, the bottom line is state and local have always been interested in this stuff and have always been working on it and what we need to do is to make them more aware of what we can bring to the table with them to help them work on problems that they've been working on for years. Great. Well, unfortunately, that we are out of time. Um, but I, I know it always it always comes up on us out of nowhere. But I thank you so much, Ricardo, Maurice, for joining us yeah. today. 
Uh, and we will continue the conversation of community development in Liscat 40. Shout time. out to Ricardo. He got up early for this That's one. That's true. Ricardo, before 6 a.m. But it's San Diego, so, you know, we're not going to give you goodness. too much credit. You still live by the beach. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. No, the sympathy has just eroded, Ricardo. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Stay well. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.